Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, this is, this is gonna have some serious editing. Yeah. and there is a pine cone on the table in the GSA in the room that we're in. Um, it's a nice little thing yeah. to see. It's a very nice pine cone. Yeah. Um, this episode is brought to you by our sore necks from the clinching practice we did the other day. Gee, that was a story. Marco, how are you feeling? Oh my god, my neck is still sore. Yeah, I woke okay. up and I'm like, oh god, today's yeah, gonna be a still, rough day. After 48 yeah. hours almost. Yeah. Um, Clinching is a term in, I guess, the martial arts sort of lingo for when you're uh, trying to sort of control a person by their, their sort of their neck, their arms, when you're up close to them. And why would we be bringing this up on an IR podcast? Because firstly, I'm bad at segues. And secondly, because today's episode is going to be about the weird and not very talked about intersection between martial arts, international relations and sport. Yeah, Marco. sport as a way to exert power, as a soft power. Soft power. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you have any opening thoughts on this? Yeah, so, yeah, of course, you know, sport has been used to exert soft power. And I think it's one of the most relevant and visible thing of soft power. For example, all the influence, especially from you know United States, that United mm. States have with I don't know NBA, also NRL as well. No, NRL is the the American football. I don't, oh, I don't that remember. Was, that was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, baseball, this kind of stuff. But also, you know, it can be this thing can be applied. Also can we can we just make sure this episode doesn't air in New South Wales or Queensland, or we are going to get yeah hunted down. Yeah, we just mentioned Victoria. Yeah, you're just, just going to release in Victoria, yeah, so it. we won't be um, despised as much because yeah. people here are into AFL. Yeah, anyway, anyway, so yeah, so also this thing applies to martial arts as well. Mm. So this is my opinion. So martial arts have been very, also I think that throughout these decades, they have been they've been changing a lot, you know, yeah. especially, you know, Taekwondo, but also, you know, MMA started, you know, yeah. which is a mixed martial arts, right? Yes. So it's a, a way to, you know, try to combine, you know, like these martial arts into a fight. But, you know, like, I think this changing goes uh, hand in hand with also like how society, like society's needs as well. And uh, mm. you know these changes fit the you know society needs and in order to have a way to exert soft power. What what do you think? Yeah, I think that for a lot of countries, their sport or their martial art, and usually it's it's a bit of both. Um, the lines between sport and martial arts isn't as clear as you would think. Uh, they provide a way to effectively promote themselves. Um, I'm looking here at the example of South Korea, which is, of course, famous for Taekwondo. Um, and this 
starts about as early as maybe the 1950s. So a little bit of a history lesson on Taekwondo. Taekwondo didn't really exist until after the Korean War. You had a bunch of dudes who had trained in different styles of karate as well as things like boxing and then uh, I guess military hand-to-hand -hand combat um, systems. Mm. A lot of these people were ex-soldiers um, and had sort of, some of them had higher ranking roles in the Korean army. Um, generally Taekwondo is attributed to, at least the name of it, to a guy named Che Hong Hee, um, or General Che. And his name is written as Choi, it's sort of in English, C-H-O-I, so, but it's pronounced Che. He is uh, probably the most famous person um, in terms of trying to I guess put together something that Korea can call its own. You had these different quans. Quan is like the it's a Chinese character for same as guan for like a room or a place. It's been a while since I did Chinese, so I might not be translating translating that perfectly. And they all did similar but kind of different things. It wasn't really called taekwondo at this point. It was sort of just like these training and fighting gyms. Mm -hmm. But um, what, what was the purpose of this? Do you think it's related to the, in the aftermath of the Korean War, they need uh, more trained, uh, like police force or army military? Or so the, the Kwan where Che Hong Hee was training at was definitely a kind of military style mm -hmm. gym. Um, and, and they, yeah, that they were, he, he trained a lot of people in the army, I believe. And there were different ones. I think his was called the Ordokwan. And then, yeah, there were other ones that... Eventually they unified together. They kind of had a unified system. Um, you had what became known as the Korean Taekwondo Association. So this was when you had President Lee Seung-man in charge of Korea, or Seung-man mm -hmm. Rhee. And uh, he was shown a demonstration. I don't remember the year. This was, I think, sometime in the later on in the 1950s. Uh, before the takeover with uh, the next president, but he was shown a demonstration of this sort of martial art and was um, quite impressed by it. Now, obviously, uh, due to both the trauma from World War II and, I guess, pride, they're not going to really want to have their martial art associated with karate, even though a lot of the techniques originate in karate. Yeah, because karate is from Japan. From Japan, right? yeah. And so they wanted a name for it. Um, they didn't want to call it uh, Tangsudo, which is, I, I still, I don't really know what Tangsudo is. I think it's kind of like Korean Kung Fu. Um, it's, uh, but th that was a name of a martial art at the time. Um, so, yeah, I let you finish. Yeah, and th there was, there's also this ancient, like, game. I call this a game where you had to tag people with your foot, and that was called Tekyon, which has a similar name, um, so they, they eventually came up with the name Taekwondo. It sounds similar to it, so it kind of evokes that sense of, uh, I guess, Korean history. Um, but it was effectively renaming an evolved version of karate, and I, I guess just striking. Now, to relate this to how it helped Korea in terms of its uh, overseas promotion, um, you had two different groups, main groups split off from the Korean Taekwondo Association. 
you had the International Taekwondo Association, which was when General Chair decided to leave Korea and move to Canada. Um, and then you had the World Taekwondo Federation, which in, in Korean you would call it the Gukkiwon. Uh, in English you would call it the WTF, which is the greatest sports acronym of all time. WTF. So what happened was the ITF formed and they left. Um, I, there was, I guess, infighting and just conflicts between the different, um, I guess, grandmasters. So they didn't all get along with each other. And then you had the Korean government wanted to unify the rest of the martial arts ones that were around the place uh, under the WTF and sort of make it all very similar. A similar thing happened in Japan with judo, which we could get into a bit later. Um, but at this point you had South Korea wanting to promote WTF as the main like version of Taekwondo. Uh, and that's not to say that ITF didn't make Korea popular and didn't you know, introduce a lot of people to Korean culture, it certainly did. But WTF was the one that became the most widespread throughout the world. So you reckon that one of the main reasons why Taekwondo was formed, it was due to geopolitical uh, tension or, you know, like uh, indirectly related to IR? Um, I think that it's more that it became a tool for South Korea to use in IR. Yeah, the thing is also, you know, like the... Uh, like the antagonism between all between North Korea and South Korea, yeah. and as well as you know the historical antagonism against Japan might have played a role, you know. Yeah. Taekwondo, you know, something that might defer to karate, mm. and also something that might train the army, you know. What do you reckon? Um, and also an opportunity to stand out, you know, as a, that they have their own national, you know. That was the main thing that yeah. they were And after. also South Korea was a very young state, you know, it was yeah. just for, you know. So the North Korea, South Korea one is interesting because North Korea didn't have like a martial art. There's sort of a myth in the, the Taekwondo world that like, oh, maybe not the Taekwondo world, but people who were aware of Taekwondo but no, don't know a whole lot about it that... WTF is South Korea, ITF is North Korea. That's sort of true, but not in the way you think it is. What happened was General Chen moved to Canada and then he was one of those people who really wanted Korea to be reunited. Lots of elderly Koreans held that sentiment and still hold that sentiment today. Um, so he actually spread ITF into North Korea. He was like welcomed there by Kim Il-sung and was hosted there several times and it, it got to the point where he became persona non grata in South Korea. Like he was not welcome back there. Um, and so yeah, they practiced Taekwondo in North Korea and you can go on YouTube and look up North Korean Taekwondo demonstrations, smashing tiles with their hands. They're crazy. Um, but they, uh, there's actually a guy in the style that, that Marco and I do that broke tiles once. This is Russian guy, second Dan. Real, real beast. Um, anyway, so they practice ITF there. Um, they definitely don't practice WTF. And then in South Korea, they almost exclusively practice WTF. Um, like it's, it's not that it's the only style of Taekwondo that is in South Korea. I'm sure ITF and others probably came back into it afterwards. But it's the national style. And they actually, the cookie one is like this office 
that like manages like who the all, all of the instructors are and gives certificates for Taekwondo instructors. Um, and you know, you're not really considered in career at least a Taekwondo black belt unless you got your black belt through the Kuki one. Uh, that's my understanding anyway. So uh, North and South Korea to, to address the two together. Um, Taekwondo hasn't really done that much to bring them together. Uh, you had in the uh, how's how's Taekwondo scene in North Korea as far as you know? Um, that's a good question. I imagine they probably just see ITF as being like that's just their they're probably their only image of what Taekwondo is because I, I can't imagine they're going to get much material on the other styles. Mm. Um, uh, yeah. The, what what sets apart the South Korean WTF from a lot of the other styles is the rule set that you compete under. So ITF and WTF both are point systems, which means it's not continuous fighting. It's you, you score a point or you get a couple of hits and then you reset. Um, now, if, if anyone out there does ITF and thinks that I'm talking uh, talking some smack, please let us know. At, don't actually email Empire over this, it's, it's no. Um, but yeah, my, my limited understanding of ITF is that it is a point system. But WTFs is different because you wear body armor um, and you can't punch to the head. So the objective of, the, of a Taekwondo match in WTF style is to knock the other person out with a head kick. Um, but punching to the head is not allowed. This slightly awkward, uh, in, in my opinion, um, awkward fighting style that doesn't translate well into, I guess, what you'd say, real fighting or a, like a vale tudo sort of rule system where you can do much more. Um, if you put a boxer against someone who's only done boxing or kickboxing against someone who's only done WTF, it's going to be interesting. And uh, how's the, in your opinion, like? the influence of martial art, especially martial arts, especially in the West, like... I also realized I don't think I quite answered your previous question. Anyway, um, in the West, so I think that... So Taekwondo became super popular. It's very, very common. Like, you get... You get maybe a hundred people in a room in, in the West. Mm. Chances are at least a few of them have done Taekwondo at some point. Um, it's also, it's, it's like on par with karate in terms of how widespread it is. Um, but the, the other thing is a lot of people don't continue doing it. They, they do it as kids. Mm. And in South Korea as well, it's so common for people who have done Taekwondo at some point as kids. Um, yeah, it's uh, like a national sport kind of. Yeah. Now, the, um, in the 1988 Summer Olympics, uh, which was in Seoul, um, this was also the, the Olympics where you had the, um, uh, the, the two North Korean agents get on the, the South Korean plane in Bahrain and then oh. they, they tried to blow it up. Um, I think they did blow it up. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, they did. Um, so this is that Olympics. Uh, it had its first appearance, but just as a demonstration. Um, so they had Taekwondo performed in the, uh, opening ceremony, um, performing, uh, I guess, forms, yeah. So it was the first time Taekwondo was brought to the Olympics, right? Yeah, so it was more the first time it was introduced. It, uh, it was demonstrated again, um, or, or 
performed only as a demonstration in the 1992 Summer Olympics in Barcelona, and then in uh, the 2000 Olympics in Australia. Um, Sydney. Yeah, Australia, yeah. <laughs> in Sydney, yes. It was actually a sport. So, like, it, as in it was, it was an Olympic sport. Uh, you know that an Italian won the gold medal for Taekwondo this year at oh, the Olympics? That's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Um, we are the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, in the martial arts world, it gets a lot of flack for being considered foot fencing. Um, but at the end of the day, you're learning kicks in a vacuum uh, because of the, uh, the sort of rule set that emphasizes kicking. Um, so getting Taekwondo into the Olympics was a big kind of like thing for a, a big goal for South Korea in the sort of the eighties and nineties. Um, and if you look at what was going on in South Korea, they just come out of a long period of dictatorship since the Korean war to, so Chon Do-hwan was prime minister, uh, prime minister, president. Uh, from 1980 to 1988, but he declared that Norteo was going to be the like presidential candidate from his party, which would effectively give him the presidency. And then this caused people to react. Um, and you had the June Democracy Movement, which was a bunch of like all these rallies throughout South Korea. Um, and then he made a speech where he was promising a, a more democratic constitution, sort of in response to the country going crazy. And yeah, he resigned on 10th of July, 1987. So yeah, at, at that point you had South Korea coming out of a long period of dictatorship and its ability to promote itself in like with, with, with soft power uh, was quite important for its, I guess it's probably standing in the international community. Um, and the Olympics is big. So getting Taekwondo eventually into the Olympics promoted South Korea a lot, um, making it being like an actual Olympic sport. Um, South Korea's power until this point often came through its alliance with the US as well as its um, its electronics and tech industry. And Daibu, Daibu, right? Which the, one? You know, like the big companies, the big corporations. Yeah, the, the Chebot. Chebot, sorry. Chebot, yeah. Um, the Chebo sort of made South Korea yeah. rich, yeah. Um, but this was a way to help it, I guess, become a more mm. kind of popular country, maybe for the everyman. Yeah, and until they found out that the system wasn't sustainable and then they got their recession in 1997, but yeah, yeah they, reco they quite recovered well. So, yeah, I, I feel... This this podcast is getting very South Korean. We talked about Squid Game. We talked yeah, about this. Yeah. This is gradually <laughs> turning into a South Korean yeah, podcast, <laughs> yeah, or North, or just a Korean Korean culture podcast. And uh, what's like as a personal opinion, since you do various martial arts, yeah. like your opinion, what's the main difference? What you find unique in Taekwondo compared to other martial arts? Uh, I think the main thing is. Uh, flexibility and athletic ability. So I'd say um, even in the style that I practice and that Marco also has been practicing since earlier in the year, it's not affiliated with any kind of competitive like competitions or leagues or anything. Um, it's definitely not affiliated with the WTF or the ITF. 
So there's, I, I guess, uh, objectively, you could say it's not a particularly athletic version of Taekwondo. Like, you don't have to have um, insane kind of cardio and, uh, and yeah. all this ability. But simply by the fact that you need to do a lot of different kicks and kicking takes a lot of energy, it takes a lot of strength, um, it takes a lot of flexibility to the, the higher up you want to yeah. kick. The, you know, the thing is uh, that, sorry to interrupt, but having a 10 year experience in Jiu Jitsu, which Jiu Jitsu is like, is very comprehensive. It's a very comprehensive martial art. And then having the Taekwondo perspective, I think I can notice that Taekwondo is a very young uh, martial art, but at the same time, I think it's very up to date to, you know, today's society's needs, you know, like yeah. the way you have to fight, you know, the way to fight, the way to protect yourself and the way to, you know, contrast the adversary as well. Whereas I think Jiu-Jitsu, especially Japanese one, is very old style, mm. you know. So some techniques are like you just you just can do these techniques at you know during trainings and session, but not in the real life. Yeah, um, it's it's harder to make them translate into a yeah. What's that saying that like no no plan survives first contact with the enemy? Yeah, it's like means you no, unless you are yeah. you are very good at, but you know yeah. like. It, it gets unnatural, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I see what you mean. Um, but yeah, I think that like uh, any style of Taekwondo um, is is good for athletic ability because simply, yeah, you have to do a lot of things with your legs. Um, and that's that's one way to, to develop athletic ability is do a lot of stuff with your legs. Um, whereas a lot of other styles of martial arts, like where you don't have to kick as rigorously, um, even even something like boxing, where you, you have a lot of movement, um, upper body movement, though. Well, I'm not not to say footwork doesn't count, but um, you know, it's 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 much more um, monolithic. It's just yeah. you know, it's it's um, you're only allowed to kind of hit the opponent with your gloves. Um, like martial arts can often end up being martial artists can often end up being pretty poor athletes. Because they don't, they don't necessarily need to develop athletic ability. Um, now, obviously, if you're a competitive boxer um, or kickboxer, you're going to be an athlete. Um, but if you're just a casual person who's just training this like for fitness or just for fun, or both, hopefully, uh, you don't need to be an athlete. Um, but if you do something that forces you to have like good kind of dynamic stretching ability, um, you're going to have a lot more athletic ability. Um, so, so yeah, I'd say that's your opinion, what's your opinion about the future of martial arts related to international relations? I know it's very difficult, okay. but like, do you think the this um, do you think this like um, relation would be strengthened or or not? Would fade away a little bit? Um, I feel like. That's a hard one to answer because I, I think that Taekwondo got a bit of a head start compared to a lot of other martial arts, I think because of the way um, that for WTF Taekwondo, the rule set changed to make it a bit more accessible to, um, I, I guess, people who don't want to get punched in the face all the time. 
Um, that being said, you still get kicked in the face if you do the sparring competition. So I don't know. I'm not going to say it's like, an, oh, it's as easy or a soft martial art or anything like that. But I think they got a bit of a head start because they, it just became so widespread that everyone knows what it is. Everyone knows it's from Korea pretty much. And uh, it, it's made, everyone knows, if you, if you know South Korea for nothing else, you'll know it's for Taekwondo. It's, oh, that's the place where Taekwondo came from. I think other martial arts are going to have a similar experience because quite a few of them have shot up over the past, um, since 1994. Um, like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu has become a lot more popular in the past 10 years. Um, yeah, it's exploded. It's exploded. It's still very niche though. Like not many people do it. I remember in Italy it's not very popular, but I know some people who, who do yeah. uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I think now Brazilian is more popular than Japanese Jiu-Jitsu. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has got a... Um, well, it's just on that though, it's funny because originally it was the Japanese versions of... The Japanese styles that were like generally the more known and popular ones, including Judo. Yeah. Um, but. I feel like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has kind of got this reputation and as someone who practices it, I, I, I de definitely can speak to some of it where you think it's like, it's the ultimate martial art for self-defense. It's like, you know, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt is like untouchable and it's, there's elements of truth to that in the context of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, that the game of Jiu-Jitsu, yeah, it is, um, a high-level practitioner is gonna kick everyone's asses. Did you know that a Taekwondo pra practitioner is called Taekwondoin? Taekwondoin. Yeah. Ah, oh, enemy students of practitioner. Yeah, because yeah. in is um, I'm pretty sure it corresponds to the character for um, Ren in Chinese, which means person. So, for example, a Korean person, you could say Hanwin. Typically, people will say Hanguk Saram. Saram also means person, but as one word, Hangugi means a Korean. Iripon uh, in Japanese, Hochu in Australian. Yeah. Um, just a bit of a bit of a linguistics tangent. Yeah. But yeah, because in, in karate, you say Karateka or yeah, karate. Judo or Judoka. Judoka and the Jiu Jitsu, do you know? Um, in like Brazilian or in no, Japanese? Japanese. Uh, I'm not sure. Jutsuka. Jutsuka. Oh, yeah. Jutsuka. Yeah. Um, there's a term for a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner in Portuguese, but I forget what it was. So, I feel like a lot of these martial arts are probably going to grow in popularity. Um, yeah, and I think the certain thing, I think they're going to change. Hmm. They will constantly change. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, in, in Jiu-Jitsu, like, you're... You go back 10 years or something, and uh, I'm talking the Brazilian style, and like techniques like foot locks or leg locks, where you put the person's foot in a certain hold and you know would break the person's toes if they don't tap out. Um, they were seen as kind of these dirty, like uh, non gentlemanly tactics, but now they're like very widespread, and everyone knows what a foot lock is, and um, it, it's changed the way that people practice jujitsu, and I think that. It's that's sort of going to keep happening. Um, and it's probably worth giving a little quick mention to uh, Muay Thai, which is 
uh, effectively, I guess, Thai-style kickboxing um, with it's got a wider rule set than regular kickboxing. So you can elbow, you can knee, uh, you can trip people over and put them on the ground. And it's a bit rough. It's very rough. Now, I think it's a, it's a good one to mention just to put everything in context because Muay Thai has become very popular alongside Jiu Jitsu. Um, there's sort of this like idea in the, the mixed martial arts world that if you want to do well in MMA, in addition to training for the sport of MMA, you have to also train in Jiu Jitsu and Muay Thai because you need to know how to fight on the ground on your back and deal with an opponent when they're on top of you. Um, and also to keep opponent underneath you if you're on top. And you also, you should know boxing and kicking and throwing elbows because you, you can do that in an MMA rule set. So that's why there's two martial arts. So like the, the ones that you will always see at an MMA gym, any MMA gym will have Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Muay Thai. I'll get you a cookie if you find me an MMA gym that doesn't have those two. Um, but I think I feel like there's only so yeah. much popularity Muay Thai can have in terms of getting people to train it because it is just brutal. It's hard. Um, I mean, I'll put my hand up out there and say that I've I've done all the pad work for Muay Thai since earlier in the year. I've been, been doing all hitting all the pads, learning all the techniques, but I haven't jumped in a sparring class because what have people it's told me? Much. It's too much. People that they spar really hard. It's like they're beating each other up. And that is a that is a downside of Western kickboxing is that they, it's it's sort of like, the difference between sparring and fighting in Western kickboxing and boxing gyms is often not very Understood. distinct. Yeah, it's like, what's the difference? They're just fighting in the gym. You go home with bruises and with maybe a concussion or something. And I was told by a friend at Jiu Jitsu who out of the same MMA gym we're at, she, she fought in Muay Thai. So she did some amateur fights and a couple of pro fights, and she said at one of the branches of this gym, uh, the sparring was harder than her actual fights, which is kind of crazy. Like that's, that's crazy. it shouldn't be shouldn't be the way it is. And so unless that changes and you have people sparring a bit lighter, um, there are MMA gyms out there where they they will say no, you spar light, you don't spar hard unless you know maybe once in a while you're training for a fight, and so you need that extra intensity. Um, unless that changes, I think kickboxing and Muay Thai, uh, they're only going to be so popular because the every man or every woman isn't going to want to get punched in the face all the time. You know, tapped in the face is one thing, but actually punched hard in the face is another thing. Um, and I think that's why uh, a lot of styles of Taekwondo and, and Karate are popular. Uh, I mean, in Kyokushin Karate, you don't, punch, you don't punch at the face at all is because you you don't need to worry about getting injured as as much as you would in something like kickboxing. Like the, the softer it is, maybe the less realistic it is for training for an actual fight. Although there's arguments that hard sparring will make you flinch in the wrong way because you get PTSD and won't actually help your fighting ability as much as you think it would. Um, but if there's one thing for certain people aren't, aren't Largely, I'm going to do want to do these things, but it means um, they're, they're going to get hurt. And that's where I think Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has an advantage because it's only grappling. Um, there's no striking at all, so people aren't going to get concussions um, unless you get dropped on your head or something horrific like that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a much safer martial art to do, and therefore it's going to be more popular. And 
I don't know too much about tourism in Brazil for jiu-jitsu, but... Yeah, I think there's some... I imagine there must be some... Yeah, I think it's not still be on a large scale, but yeah, yeah I think, yeah, there mm. would be something. Yeah, that being said, like, a lot of people, it still probably promotes Brazil and Brazilian culture, but... Uh, but I think, you know, yeah. now it's Brazilian jiu-jitsu, it's a bit deconstructed, you know, like, you can find many Brazilian, good Brazilian master like in the US for example yeah like, whereas I think Taekwondo is still is still still sticks to South Korea mm. I think you know Taekwondo sticks more to South Korea more than Brazilian Jiu Jitsu to Brazil you know yeah that's a good point I think yeah. in, in a lot of Taekwondo uh, dojangs dojang is just the term for like a it's like dojo but the Korean word for it um, you, you definitely seem to have I guess more Korean culture um, both material and otherwise present than you would in a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gym. Um, I mean, if you have, say, even like an instructor who's not from Brazil, who doesn't speak Portuguese, then there's definitely some degree of the culture that's lost. Um, not to say that you need to speak Portuguese to be a BJJ instructor, um, but in, at least in WTF Taekwondo, you do have, largely you have Korean instructors um, and a lot of things are still kind of done in Korean. Um, yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you. So yeah. Mark, I was just checking his phone. And yeah, I was checking Omicron. Yeah, Omicron, yeah. Nice, yeah. <laughs> no, is the new, you know, trend. Yeah. Uh, another thing as well, which promotes martial arts, I think is uh, like mythology. And I don't mean mythology in terms of like religious mythology, but in terms of, um, the way you train, right? Like the, the association with, with certain things and certain parts of history, like um, sort of beliefs in uh, like things coming out of Japan are usually associated with, say, the samurai. And I think that makes martial arts quite popular for a lot of people because, you know, jujitsu is like, it, it was actually a samurai martial art. Um, and then perhaps karate isn't, wasn't a samurai martial art that came from Okinawa, but people were still probably would associate Japan with the samurai and then would associate um, just from pop culture and, and then you'd associate karate with Japan probably because of Karate Kid. And so in your mind, you've got this big bubble of these things that can be linked in some form, uh, real or otherwise, to the samurai and, and then you, you latch onto these martial arts because, oh wow, I'm gonna be a badass as well. Um, and I think that's that's definitely done wonders for Japanese martial arts. Um, and uh... yeah, no, I think it's yeah. As as I said before, I think the main thing is um, you know these martial arts are not something that you know stand still throughout the years. You know they're gonna ch they're gonna keep changing according to the society. You know as you. As we saw with Taekwondo, now yeah. the, the even most recent MMA and then Muay, uh, not Muay Thai, uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you mm. know. So I think they will keep changing. Yeah, I mean Muay Thai has changed as well because it's it's sort of uh, incorporated Dutch style kickboxing into it. Mm. Um, and uh, have you got any any final thoughts? Or yeah, so as my final thought is, my final thought is. Uh, 
I think you know there is a correlation between IR and martial arts, especially because you know IR reflects society's needs. You know, yeah, like, you know, like policy is like a reflection of you know what's going on. You know, so I think yes, so there is a direct correlation, and these martial arts will keep changing in the future. Cool. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of The Voice of Empire. Now get out there and train.